the Lord inhabits the praises of His people. If you believe it this morning, say amen. We've experienced His manifest presence today. and uh, Man, there's nothing better than that. There's nothing more powerful than that. And um, I'm overwhelmed by it. I love that song that we were singing, how that uh, the Bible says underneath, or excuse me, the song said underneath the fountain uh, we stand in awe. And uh, that's just come straight from the Word of God, and that's what makes it so powerful. There's a story in the book of Exodus about how that um, the people of God, the nation of Israel, had came out of bondage in Egypt under the blood of the Lamb. Uh, can you say amen to that? How I many know anybody that comes out from under the bondage that they're in has to come out under the blood? And so uh, those people came from, out from their bondage in Egypt under the blood of the Lamb, just as we come out of the bondage of sin. Uh, for each and every one of us through the blood of the Lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so it's a perfect picture of what uh, Jesus has done for us. And the Bible says that when they came to a place called Repidim in, in Exodus 17, that the Lord commanded that they stop there and they camped there. The only problem was there was no water there and the people got thirsty. And if you go back and read in Exodus 17, and I encourage you to do that, I'm not going to turn there this morning. But in Exodus 17, the Bible says that the people began to chide or grumble against Moses. And when they did, um, the Lord told Moses to go in, uh, to the rock of Horeb. And, and if he would take his staff and strike the rock, that water would come forth. And, and that's exactly what happened. And so there in the middle of the desert where the people had no water, and they became so thirsty, they thought they were going to die. God, in the middle of a desert, from the rock, caused water to come forth. Now, why is that so important for us? Well, the Bible tells us. See, the Old Testament are only pictures and shadows of what Christ has done in the New Testament. All of the Old Testament points unto the Lord Jesus. And in, in 1 Corinthians chapter number 10, the Bible says in verse number 4, And they did all drink the same spiritual drink. He's talking about the people in the book of, of Exodus chapter number 17. For they drink of that spiritual rock that followed them. Now watch what he says here. And that rock was Christ. Can you say amen to that? Folks, I want you to know something. This morning, we can stand under the fountain that flows from the Lord Jesus Christ, and we can receive what we need to have life in Him. Just like the people received what they needed to sustain their life in Exodus 17, we can stand under the Lord Jesus and receive from Him exactly what we need. And so I'm so thankful for that. What a powerful song. Uh, that is, brother, and y'all done a great job with it. Take your Bibles and flip over with me just a few pages over to 2 Corinthians chapter number 12. And I want to share with you three or four verses there. We're still trying to answer the question, what does Jesus do? Uh, and Jesus does a lot. How many of you know, if we're going to get a right picture of what Jesus does in the life of, of, the, of the believer, then we must see what God's Word says concerning Him. How many of you believe this morning that God's Word is our standard for who Jesus is and what He does? If you believe that, say amen. Me too. Listen, anything else that we know about Jesus that doesn't match what God's Word says, what the Bible says, then it's wrong. That only becomes man's opinion. But we know according to the authority and the power of the word of God who Jesus is and what he does. We must stick with the standard. We must stick with the stuff. We must look to the word of God and see what Jesus does in the life of a believer. And he does a lot. We said uh, before that Jesus saves. How many of you are thankful this morning Jesus saves? Oh, praise God, I'm thankful that Jesus is still in the saving business. If there's one message that I want to shout on the 
rooftops, from across the street and around the world is the message that Jesus is still in the saving business. He's still changing hearts and changing lives. He's still giving eternal life to all who will receive him as their own personal Savior. To all who trust in Christ for the forgiveness of their sin that separates them from God, they can be born again into God's family. Jesus still saves. Now we know Jesus saves in Hamilton, Alabama. We've seen that here in the last two or three months. We've had the awesome privilege and opportunity of baptizing new believers in Jesus and we are thankful he's still in a saving business here. Let me tell you what I found out last week in Havana, Cuba. How many of you know that Jesus is still in the saving business in Havana, Cuba? I'm telling you, he's still at work in this world. He's still in the saving business. We live in the day of grace. Jesus saves, but I want you to know something else. Jesus sanctifies. To be sanctified means to be cleaned up and set apart for the purpose of God. Now, I want you to get a hold of something right here. Listen to me very carefully. Jesus loves you just how you are. Jesus loves you right where you are. Now I say that because I've heard this so many times throughout my ministry. I'll be talking to somebody about coming to church and they'll say, Preacher, I'll come to church, but listen, I'm going to wait till I can live it. When I get to where I can live it, then I'm going to do it. When I get to where I can live it, and, and, and really what they're saying is become acceptable to God by my own power and become acceptable to the church by my own power, then I'm going to come and be a part of what's going on at, at, at the church. Let me say something to you folks. That's, that they've got salvation backwards. I want you to understand nobody can clean themselves up enough to become acceptable unto the Lord. Nobody can be righteous enough in their own power uh, for, 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 for uh, them to be born again into the family of God. See, salvation is not about you cleaning yourself up and coming to Jesus. Salvation is about you coming just like you are, a hopeless, helpless sinner falling down for the mercy of God before the foot of the cross and asking Him to do for you what you can't do for yourself. That's salvation. It's not about you cleaning yourself up and coming to Jesus. It's about coming to Jesus and getting cleaned up. And I'm telling you, he will clean you up. If he can save me, he can save anybody. So, oh, no, wait a minute, brothers. You don't know what I'm capable of. You don't know where I've been. You don't know what I've done. Well, listen to me. You don't know what I'm capable of. You don't know where I've been. You don't know what I've done. I can promise you, if Jesus can reach down into the miry pit, pick me up and set my feet upon the rock, if he can save me, he can save you. But now listen. He loves you right where you are, just like you are. And he asks you to come just like you are for salvation so that he can clean you up. But now listen to me very carefully. He loves you too much to leave you like he found you. At the moment of salvation, he begins the process of sanctification. Where he starts cleaning you up and making you like himself. Can you say amen? amen. Now it's not my job to clean you up. I, I believe what uh, I think it was Vance Havner once said. If we'll catch them, God will clean them. <laughs> we are the call to be fishers of men. And then, listen, as we catch them, it's up to God to clean them. He cleans you up. He does the work in your life, the process of sanctification that makes you to become more like Christ so that you might be effective in the, in the ministry that God has saved you for. And that, that's my next point. Not only does Jesus save and sanctify, but you also need to know that Jesus enables us to serve. How I many you know none of us have been saved to sit on a church pew? 
Now I'm glad you're in church. Praise God for that. Be faithful to the things of God. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. I'm glad you're in church this morning. I hope and pray you're in church tonight. Come back Wednesday night. We're going to get in the word of God. We're going to enjoy what God is doing in this place among his people by his power. But I want you to know something. He saved you for much more than just sitting on a church pew. He saved you to be a part. Members of the body. Many members making up one body. Accomplishing the purpose of the head. The Lord Jesus Christ. And we we are called, we are saved, we are being sanctified so that we might serve as the hands and feet of Christ. Amen. I'm so thankful God saved me because he gave me purpose, real purpose. I can make a difference in my world today by the power of God, and I can make a difference in eternity by the power of God. Not because of who I am or what I can do, but because who he is and what he can do through me. Amen. Somebody say amen right there. He enables us to serve. Let me tell you something else. Jesus seals. Jesus seals. See, it was by grace that I was put into the family of God by faith. By faith through grace we are saved and put into the family of God. And I'm telling you the same grace that is able to put you in the family of God is the same grace that can keep you in the family of God. Like I've told you many times before, it's not that I'm holding on to him. If I'm holding on to him, my grip will slip. It's that he's holding on to me. We have been sealed with the precious Holy Spirit of promise. And I want you to understand something. Who Jesus saves, he seals. I want to give you another one this morning. How many of you know Jesus strengthens? He strengthens. Take your Bibles. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I want to share with you very quickly three or four verses there. How many of you have ever been down and out, depressed, disgusted? Anybody? How many of you have ever been weary, worn out, tired? Absolutely. All of us have from time. Let me tell you why. Because all of us got stuff in our lives. I'm talking about stuff that maybe only applies to you. You've got your stuff and I've got my stuff. We've got problems physically, some of us. We've got problems mentally, some of us. I'll raise my hand to that, praise God. I need all the prayers I can get. Uh, we got problems relationally. We got problems emotionally. We can have all kinds of different problems, stuff that we deal with, afflictions that we face day by day. And it's because of this stuff, it's because of these afflictions that enter the life of the believer that we get down and out, depressed, disgusted, that we get worn out, weary, and tired, ready to quit. And folks, I want you to know, if that's you today, if you've got that stuff in your life that maybe nobody else knows about but you, this message is for you this morning. I've got some great news for you. Jesus strengthens. What he leads you to, he will lead you through. And so we need to see right here in 2 Corinthians chapter number 12, starting in verse number 7, the strength Jesus gives. Listen to what Paul says. And lest I should be exalted above measure, through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. Everybody say, given to me. There was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted. Now watch what he says here, verse number 8. For this thing I besought the Lord three times. He's praying about it. He's concerned enough to pray about the thorn in his flesh. 
This is not a small thing to him. This is something that's bothering him greatly. This is something that's hindering him in the work. It's something that's hindering him physically, and it's something that is certainly hindering him spiritually speaking. So he's praying about it, and he prays to the Lord, and he asks him that he would deliver him from this thorn in the flesh. Now watch what happens. I love this. He says, I besought the Lord three times that he would remove it. And then he says, in verse number um, Nine, and he said unto me, my grace, everybody say my grace, watch, is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in mine infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, watch what he says now, then am I strong. It was through the afflictions that Paul truly realized his weakness. And when he realized his own weakness, then he began to really realize the strength that Christ gives. How many of you believe this morning, Jesus strengthens Let's pray together. Father, we love you. Thank you for giving us strength in the midst of our stuff. And we've all got it. In every pulpit and in every pew, we have problems. We have problems in relationships. We have problems in our physical uh, being. We have problems spiritually. We have problems emotionally. Lord, we just got stuff we're all dealing with. And God, I'm asking you that through these problems, you would show us your strength. Show us your truth this morning and give us what we need so that we might become just what you say we are. And you tell us in your word, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. And so Lord, this morning, show us what it means that you give us strength to face the journey. In Jesus' name we do pray and for your sake, amen. I want to read to you a story this morning first uh, by Dr. Tony Evans. He was, this was in a devotion that he sent out a few months ago, and man, it really spoke to my heart, and I hope and pray it does yours as well. Listen to what he said. The date was August 14, 2003. Mrs. Evans and I were in New York on our way back to Dallas. We went to LaGuardia Airport to catch our flight. I went to curbside check-in to check in our bags. The line was not moving, and I waited 20 minutes. And still there was no movement in the line. I got out of the line to find out what was going on. The baggage handler said the airport had no power. It was then that we found out that we were caught in the blackout of 2003. Do y'all remember that? Where the uh, 2003, the whole eastern seaboard of the United States uh, had a rolling blackout. There was a power shortage. Where the whole east coast went dark due to power, a power grid failure. No planes were coming in. No planes were going out. We couldn't check in the conveyor belts to deliver our baggage. They weren't working because there was no power, so we waited. We waited three hours along with thousands of other people at the airport. We were also stuck in this miserable situation. It was a steamy, hot August day with no solution in sight. Finally, as darkness was coming over the city of New York and the, and the airport, we were told the airport was shutting down. And without power or lights or anything else, the airport was shutting down, so thousands of people like ourselves were stuck. We'd already checked out of our hotel room and had no place to go. I got on my telephone and called my sister to ask her to help me find a hotel room. Everybody at the airport was looking for a room, and I needed all the help I could get. She called me back sooner after she had uh, found one room at the Crown Plaza LaGuardia. She said it was the last one, and they were going to hold it for me for 10 minutes. So we ran, me and my wife, in the dark of night, held a cab, and got to the Crown Plaza. 
just in the nick of time. Due to the power outage, candles were now lighting the hotel. We registered by hand because the computers weren't working. There was no TV, no air conditioning, no hot food because nothing was working. We pulled back the shades and opened the window to get some air in our room. And when we saw it, and then we saw it, immediately across the street from us was the Marriott Hotel. Listen, it was all lit up. I mean, this place was popping. We heard music playing through our open window. The other hotel was so close we could see people moving around and eating outside. It was clear to me that, there, that we were in the wrong place. I had one simple question. How could there be that much light in this darkness? It was about 9 o'clock at night, but I had to get my inquisitive question answered. So I walked down the steps and crossed the street to the Marriott. I walked in the air-conditioned Marriott Hotel, and all the uh, TVs were turned on, and the newscasts were reporting on how dark New York City was. Folks were lined up at the restaurant to get hot food. There was all this light and joy and music and laughter and excitement in a dark situation. Praise God. I went over to the assistant manager and I said, Mister, I don't understand. It's dark everywhere. The airport is right over there and it's dark. My hotel is right over there and it's dark as well. Everything is dark. And yet you are lit up like a Christmas tree. How can this be? He said, it's really fairly simple. When we built this hotel, we built it with a gas generator. We've got power on the inside that is not determined by the circumstances on the outside. We've got power on the inside that is not determined by the circumstances on the outside. We've got power on the inside that is not determined by the circumstances on the outside. Watch this now. I love this. He says, what's happening out there shouldn't determine our inner joy. God has given us a generator of life and liberty in our souls through the relationship with Jesus Christ, and we don't have to live our lives determined by life's circumstances. Do you know that's true? Folks, we've all got stuff and we all deal with it daily because we live in a fallen creation. I mean, there's stuff that's going on in our life that's breaking our hearts and breaking our family. And, and listen, Satan does everything he can to do everything to destroy what God wants to do in our lives. But I want to tell you something. As the people of God, because of the life and the power we have in Jesus, we can walk above our circumstances. Even though we go through tough times, we can still have joy. Even though we go through tough times, we can still walk in peace. Even though we go through tough times, we can still be overcomers in Christ. Folks, we can have joy in spite of our circumstances, for our joy is not found in circumstances, it's found in Jesus. This is the message that Paul preaches in 2 Corinthians chapter number 12. And I'm thankful that he does. Now let me say something to you. Listen to me very plainly. This power that we have on the inside that helps us deal with what's happening on the outside, it's given because of God's grace. We've talked a whole lot about grace since we've been doing this series of messages. We've talked about saving grace. And saving grace is God's unmerited favor toward us. How I many know none of us deserve salvation? We've all broken God's law. We became guilty before a holy God. And if we get what we deserve, we get punishment in the devil's hell. But by God's grace, his undeserved favor. He, he, he saw fit by his love to show us mercy. Isn't that good news? So God's grace, his saving grace, is his unmerited favor. Let me give you another definition of grace. This definition comes from Dr. War Warren Wiersbe. And, and if you've never read Warren Wiersbe, then man, you're missing out. He says this. He says that grace is God's provision 
for what we need. When we need it. God provides what we need. When we need it. By his power. I've got three points I want to share with you about God's grace very quickly. First of all, you need to see the sufficiency of grace. When I say the word sufficiently, sufficiency, what, does it, what comes to mind? What comes to mind when I, when I hear sufficient, if, uh, if something is sufficient or sufficiency, is abundance. How many of you know, when the Bible says right here in, in 2 Corinthians chapter number 12 and, and verse number 9, when Jesus says to Paul, my grace is sufficient for thee, what he's actually saying is there's more than enough grace to go around. In whatever situation you find yourself, and Paul found himself in a situation where he had a physical problem. He said, if you've got this physical problem, my grace is sufficient for you. And I'm telling you, if you've got a physical problem, God's grace is sufficient for you. He will give you what you need when you need it, and God knows what you need when you need it. Can you say amen? If you've got a relational problem in your home, in your household, in your family, God's grace is sufficient for you. There's more than enough to go around. If you've got emotional problems, God's grace is there's more than enough to go around. It, it, God's grace is sufficient for the believer. And I don't know how else to tell you this, but I just praise God for that. I praise God when nobody else knows what I'm going through but Him. His grace is sufficient. I praise God when nobody else knows what's going on in my heart and mind. Have you ever been in a crowd of people and feel completely alone? Me too. You know what I found in those times? God's grace is sufficient for me. I'm telling you something, folks. God knows what you need when you need it, and by His grace, He provides what you need when you need it. His grace is sufficient. Now, all throughout the book of 2 Corinthians, you're going to find this message being preached. The Apostle Paul tells us that God's grace is, first of all, uh, sufficient for us in our spiritual calling, whatever that might be, our ministry that God has saved us for. Go back to 2 Corinthians chapter number 3, just a moment. Listen to what he says there. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And I'm going to read to you verses 4 through 6. He says, we have this, this trust through Christ to God. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God, who also made us to be able ministers of the New Testament. Now, when he says the New Testament there, he's talking about the new covenant that we have in Christ. He says, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. Let me tell you what Paul is saying there, because I can relate to this, what, he, what he's telling us. He's saying that God has given us the ministry as believers now in Jesus. Listen, he's given us the ministry of sharing the gospel, the, the, the message of the new covenant to a lost and dying world. Now, folks, I'm going to tell you something. If there's one person in this room who most of the time feels very inadequate in doing that, it's me. 
I feel very inadequate in doing what God has called me to do. I wonder why God has called me to do what he's called me to do. This is not what I wanted to do. This is not what I had planned to do. I know that God could put another pastor in this church that could do a lot better job than what I'm doing. So many times I feel very inadequate. But I want to tell you something. I've also realized that God's grace is sufficient for my ministry. Paul said, I've got this ministry God's given me and I can't do it, but I found out. God provides for me what I need when I need it. And God knows what I need when I need it. And praise Jesus, I'm so thankful for that. So if you've got a ministry God's called you to, and you do, you do, God's given you a spiritual gift that you need to be using in this church. You say, brother, I can't do it. I know you can't. Let me let you in on a little secret. I can't either. But God is sufficient by his grace to provide for us what we need when we need it in our spiritual ministry. If you believe it, say amen. So if God is calling you to teach the Sunday school class, step out on faith and teach the Sunday school class. His grace is sufficient. If God is calling you to be a prayer warrior, step out on faith and commit to being a prayer warrior. If God is calling you to be a giver in the church, step out on faith and be a giver in the church. Whatever God's calling you to do, if he's calling you to preach, step out on faith and preach. If God's calling you to the mission field, step out on faith and go to the mission field. Let me tell you why. Because God's grace is sufficient for our spirit spiritual ministry not because brother Israel says it because the word of God says it that's where the power's found not only is God's grace sufficient for us in our spiritual ministry but it's also sufficient for us in, in, in our material needs that all of us stand in need of go to 2 Corinthians chapter 9 let's look there at one verse 2 Corinthians chapter number 9 verse number 8 now, I love this verse. You need to underline this, put a star by it, write it down somewhere. You need to get back to this. He says, and God is able. How many believe God is able? <laughs> and God is able to make all grace abound toward you that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. What's he saying? God is able to meet your needs by his grace. You've got need for clothing. You've got need for food. You've got need for shelter. And God has promised to meet those needs. Amen. He goes a step further in Philippians 4, 19 and says, My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. See, God supplies my needs according to his bank account, not mine. According to his riches, not mine. Can you say amen? Praise the Lord. He has promised his grace is sufficient for our spiritual ministry. He has promised his grace is sufficient for our material needs. And let me give you this last one. And I hope and pray that it will be a blessing to you as well. God's grace is sufficient for our physical needs. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Let's go back over there. And look what Paul says in verse number 9. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Now, what was Paul's weakness? Was It was the physical thorn in the flesh. We don't know exactly what that was, but we do know it was a hindrance to him. Most historians and theologians that I've read believe that the the thorn in the flesh Paul had was an eye disease. There was a disease that was going on in, uh, in the Middle East at that time that would cause the eyes to drain continually. 
And so there would be this thick pus-like liquid that would come from the eyes of the Apostle Paul on a regular basis. And it made, him very, made it very hard for him to preach in front of a crowd of people. And, and it was hindering him greatly in what God had called him to do. And, but the Bible says, Jesus told him, he said, Paul, my grace is sufficient even for that. If God's grace is sufficient for it, why didn't he just heal the disease? I mean, isn't God able? That's probably the question you're asking right now. There's some stuff you're praying about. And you're saying, God, I know you're able. Why don't you just fix this situation? It may not be physical. It may be relational. It may be emotional. I don't know. I don't know what stuff you've got. But I'll tell you this. There's a reason God's not fixing the situation. See, God usually shows his blessings to his children in one of two ways. Either through substitution or transformation. Now, what Paul is praying for is substitution. What he's saying is, God, take away the thorn that's in the flesh. Take away this thing that's hindering me physically. Take it away and give to me um, healing. Take the sickness and substitute it for healing. Take the pain and the weakness and substitute it for deliverance. But God says no. God says I'm not going to take the thorn because Paul kept asking for it. But what I am going to do is show you my grace. Wow. Because not only does God bless us through substitution, and sometimes that happens. Sometimes God gives us what we ask for. But sometimes God blesses us through transformation. And God causes or allows, I don't know which, afflictions to enter our lives so that we might really understand who He is and what He can do. See, the truth is, a lot of times the problem is not that you're too strong, you're not strong enough. The problem is that you're not weak enough. Let me say that again because I don't think you got it. A lot of times the problem is not that we're not uh, strong enough, it's that we're not weak enough. And see, so what we think is, in our ability, we have plenty of strength to handle whatever's going on. But the truth is this. Strength that comes from only our ability is actually weakness because at the end of that, we get prideful. We well up with what we can do, who we are, our strength. And when pride comes along, that becomes an enemy of God's grace. How do I know that? James chapter 4 and verse number 6. God gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. Do you see this? And so God will allow affliction into our lives so that he might show us just exactly how much we need him. He shows us just how weak we are so we can truly understand how strong he is. We need to understand the sufficiency of grace. But we also need to understand strengthening grace. Amen. And to truly understand strengthening grace... We must understand the purpose of affliction. 
Because God uses transformation to make us what He wants to be through affliction, the affliction is not wasted. Can you say amen? We're realizing truly who our strength comes from. What we can do in Him. And let me leave you on this point with this quote. Rick Warren is one of my favorite writers. He wrote the book Purpose Driven Life. If you've ever read it. If you haven't, I would recommend that book. Rick Warren blessed my soul with that, but the Lord used him greatly. He was talking about how in the middle of his ministry, when things were going great for him and his church, his ministry was growing, his church was growing. He was just, God was blessing him in, in every way to be thought of. Right in the middle of that, his wife was diagnosed with breast cancer. And for about, I think, I think it was about three years, they dealt with that. She's in remission, uh, or, or was, I, when I was reading the book at that time. I don't know, I don't know about now, but he, he was talking about how the Lord showed him more in that season of his life about how strong God is and how truly weak we are than in any other time. He learned more about his faith in Christ in that time than in any other time. Listen to what he said. He said he found out that God is much more interested in making you holy than making you happy. And if God has to use affliction in our lives, he will to show us how weak we are so we can truly understand his strength. We need to understand the sufficiency of grace. We need to understand strengthening grace. Where strength truly comes from is the grace of God. But we also need to understand sovereign grace. Let me tell you what I mean by that. Listen how Paul puts it right here. In verse number 9, the last part of this. He says, Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in mine infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Do you see it? He said, I'm going to glory in that which makes me weak. If that's what it takes for the power of God, His strength, to be upon my life. Now, Paul is not a sadist. He's not wishing for pain and hurt, sickness. He just understands that what he needs more than anything else is the grace of God. And he says, you know what? If this is what it takes to keep me where I need to be, and guess what? God knows what it takes to keep you where you need to be. Amen. He knows what it takes. You me tell you why? He's all-knowing. He's sovereign. He knows the plan. He knows where he's taking you. He, know how, he knows how he's going to use this affliction to make you what he wants you to be, which is like his son. He's much more interested in making us listen holy than making us happy. And so in my afflictions, in my infirmities, Paul said, I'm going to glory in the Lord. Isn't that powerful? He understands there's purpose in this. And there's purpose in what's going on with you. Do you know that? 
sometimes we feel as though all this stuff is happening and God's just kind of turned his back on us, forgot about us in some way. And we keep wondering why we're praying about all this stuff and God's not doing anything about it. Trust him. Walk by faith. Part of walking by faith is learning to trust the Lord in good times, yes, but in bad times as well. In times of blessing and in times of affliction, we learn to trust God and say, God, you know where you're taking me. You know what you're doing. I can't see the end result. I can't see how all this is working together, but I'm trusting in you. And if this is what it needs, this is what I need to make me what I'm supposed to be, I'll glory in that. That's what Paul is saying. Isn't that amazing? No, Paul didn't just get by, did he? This brother walked in peace. This brother walked in joy. If you don't believe me, read the book of Philippians. Here he is sitting in the Philippian jail. Or excuse me, in a Roman jail, right into the Philippians. And the whole time, all they can speak of, speak about, is his joy in the Lord. And what God's doing in his life. What God's doing through his ministry. Philippians 1.6 says, He's confident this very thing, that he which hath begun the good work in you will perform it in the day of Jesus Christ. Does that sound like a man down and out just getting by? No. That's a man walking in joy in spite of his circumstances. That's a man who has the peace of God in spite of his circumstances. That's a man who is looking affliction dead in the eye. Persecution dead in the eye. But still having the joy of Jesus. We can do the same thing and we should do the same thing. The circumstances on the outside of us, the darkness on the outside of us cannot compare to the light on the inside of us. Can you say amen? That's what Dr. Evans says and I like it. That was good stuff. I touched my heart. Jesus gives us the strength to overcome. I want to read to you three or four statements here. About the afflictions we face. The spiritual is far more important to the dedicated believer than the physical. And I want to tell you something. Until you become a dedicated believer and the spiritual becomes more important to you than the physical, you'll never understand the purpose of affliction in your life. God knows how to balance burdens and blessings, suffering and glory. He does. He knows what we need, when we need it, and He gives us what we need, when we need it, according to His plan and purpose, because He knows the end from the beginning. So He balances burdens and blessings. He balances suffering and glory. Not all sickness is caused by sin. You need to know that. You may tell you why I say that. Paul had a thorn in the flesh, but it wasn't because he did anything wrong. This brother wrote 13 books in the New Testament. Went on three missionary journeys and started churches all over the world. God used him in a fantastic way. Most of the New Testament that we uh, based our modern church on was based on the writing, or should be based on the writings of the Apostle Paul. 
This brother was a mighty man of God, but he still got sick. Not because he was in sin. So not all sickness is caused by sin. Wouldn't in Paul's case nor in Job's case. There is something worse than sickness, physical sickness, and that is sin. And the worst sin that we can have is pride. Amen. Pride is actually the granddaddy of all sins. And sometimes God uses affliction, hardships, tough times in our lives, stuff in our lives to cause us to see just how much we need Him. Physical affliction does not have to be um, a barrier to Christian service. You need to know that. Paul had a physical affliction. Do y'all remember uh, David Ring who came and preached for us? It's been, uh, I don't know, a year or two years ago while we were on the mission trip this week, several of our people were wearing the I Am Blessed shirts. David Ring was born with cerebral palsy and the Lord has used that brother greatly for many years in preaching the gospel. His physical condition was not a barrier to God's service. No matter who you are, you can serve the Lord and you should serve the Lord. God's grace is sufficient. And the last one I want to give you. In your affliction, you can always trust in the Word of God. Do not trust in your feelings. Your feelings will fool you. In times of affliction, trust in God's Word. See the sufficiency of grace. See the strengthening grace God gives. What that truly means. But also see the sovereign grace. God is working all things together. God is working all things together. Not some things. Not most things. Not a lot of things, not things we perceive to be good, even things we perceive to be bad. God is working all things together for the good of them that love the Lord and are called according to His purpose. Remember that. Be encouraged. God's grace is sufficient for us all. Amen? Everybody stand together this morning. You say, well, Brother Israel, if God's grace is sufficient, does that mean we, ought, we should not pray? Absolutely not. Need to pray. Better pray. I pray about everything. Amen. I bring it to the Lord. Man, when I got problems in church, I bring it to the Lord. I tell Jesus about it. I just tell Jesus on you. We got problems. I encourage you to do the same with me. Tell Jesus on me. Man, I need all of it I can get. Knock on heaven's door for your pastor. Tell the Lord what we need. Spiritually, physically, if I got physical problems, man, I tell, I tell Jesus all about it. I got needs in my life. He's promised to meet my material needs. I tell Jesus about it. Whatever's going on, pray about it. Pray about it. And maybe you need to pray about it today. Maybe you say, brother, there's some stuff going on with me. I need to get along with the Lord about it. This altar's a great place to do that. Men and women throughout all of history has been getting along with God in an altar just like this one. Come be a part of that this morning. I'd love to pray with you as your pastor. It's always my great privilege to pray with you about whatever you need to pray about. I'd love to do that. Just let me know. Child of God, if you need to talk to the Lord today, by all means do that in this invitation time. You need to do business with God, do that in this invitation time. Lost friend, if you've never experienced saving grace, that undeserved favor that only God can give, 
Today you can receive the gift of grace by faith in Jesus. I want to show you what that means. Oh, don't leave here not knowing Christ. I'm telling you, he's good. He's good. See, the truth is all of us face afflictions whether you're lost or whether you're saved. Lost people don't have the market cornered on bad times, stuff in their life. We've got it too. Amen? Let me tell you the difference. As a child of God, now I have someone to help me through my problems. Now I have the power of God that helps me overcome. Now I understand the grace of God that is sufficient for my need. Now I'm strengthened by God's grace. And my affliction has purpose. Amen. Praise the Lord. Jesus is good. Trust Him. Trust Him. Jesus still saved. If you need to be saved, you come. Whatever you need, God is able in this invitation time. You want to join this church? What are you waiting on? Do what you know God's called you to do. Whatever you need today, you come. Brother, play for us.